Good morning. My name is Dan McLean. I'm one of the elders here this morning. Good to see you all in the living room. This morning we're finishing up uh, a three-week series on grace. In week one, we talked about uh, being justified by God's grace, how the one perfect, holy, loving, and gracious God um, created us, absent of sin, but we fell. And we sought after knowledge, and through our selfish desires, we looked to find our own way. Um, at that moment when that happened, we, we essentially all died. The Bible tells us that we are immortal beings, and that in that decision to step away from God, we condemned ourselves to death. We condemned ourselves to be separated from God. But through God's grace, He doesn't leave us this way. Uh, in His grace, He provided a way for us to be reconciled and justified before Him. He did this through sending His Son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, a life that we couldn't live, and die a death in our place for our sins. Uh, John three sixteen through 18 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God not, did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has, he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. See, through Jesus, salvation came to mankind. Salvation and justification. Through Jesus, you can see God's grace. Through faith in the life and death, and sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus, we have hope. There's nothing we can do to earn that salvation. This is God's scandalous grace. This is his amazing provision. This is a truth that if we receive and turn and repent, we are saved. Through only Jesus can we have an audience once again with God. Through, through Jesus I'm not Dan, the fallen man condemned to die. I'm Dan, child of God, forever changed by God's grace. In week two or last week, we talked about being changed by the truth of God's grace. We talked about how even after receiving God's grace uh, and salvation through Jesus, we often try to be sanctified. That was the big word from last week. Uh, or changed to be like Jesus by relying on our own willpower strength, and resolve. We desire to follow Jesus and become more like him after being saved, but oftentimes we put the gospel on the shelf and forget that it's only God that conquers sin. Jesus didn't only live and die for our justification, that is our forgiveness of our sins and right standing before God. He also lived and died for our sanctification so that we could have the gift of God's grace to be made more and more like Jesus as we follow him. So that if, our, if there are sins that we are weary from trying to battle on our own, we need to bring those to the light. We need to surrender them to God and pray for his power to overcome. We need to share them with each other so that we can help one another and bear one another's burdens. When, when God's grace saves us, have you ever noticed that he keeps us here I mean, can you imagine if the moment you believed and put your complete trust in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, 
as a substitute sacrifice for your sins. You were like beamed up. I mean, in my own sci-fi loving mind, that sounds really cool. It's like, I'm praying, I'm ready, Scotty, let's do this. Um, the problem is if that God worked in the early church that way, he would have beamed them up and there would be, that would be it. That would be the end of the story. No one would have been able to advance or tell the story, the, the good news. No one would know the gospel. So we, we don't get beamed up. God keeps us here and commands us to go. Go and share his grace with the world. And this is what we're here to talk about today. Today we're talking about sharing God's grace. My prayer through this, these three weeks has been that through gaining a clearer understanding of God's grace, our hearts will be softened. We will understand more just how amazing the life and sacrifice of Jesus is, and our souls will be renewed for the mission God has called us to. So how do we share grace with others? See, we're, we're saved by grace, not by our works. God sent Jesus to die for us, and he forgives us not on the basis of what we do, but because of his grace. And now since, since God is like that, and we're born to pursue and glorify him, and we're changed by his grace, what does that say about our relationships with one another? It should totally transform them. If we follow Jesus, grace needs to fill our families, our friendships, our workplaces. Being like Jesus means that we're not always demanding to get our own way. We're not bragging about ourselves or insulting others. Paul describes the results of God's work in our lives as the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. In Romans 12, 10 through 16, it says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Ephesians 4, 1, through, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And Thessalonians 5, 11, this is all I'm going to do for the rest of this morning. Now, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. We could go on and on and look through the Bible and find statements like these that show how following Jesus should change you, should change us. These are all changes of the heart that we cannot make on our own. This is why last week we talked about um, how God sanctifies us or changes us to be like Jesus. The grace that brings us salvation will train us. It does not do to do like one without the other. God never saves the people and leaves them alone to continue with their current lives. When he saves, he trains. Paul said this another way in Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
See, if we follow Jesus, we'll be changed by God's grace. That grace will fill our families, our friendships, and our workplaces. This morning, the, the video before I got up here asks us to be Jesus to everyone. Ask Jesus to lead us so we can speak up for those who don't have a voice. Ask Jesus to help us be kind to everyone. Love, and don't just use your words. Use your actions. Jesus did not come to serve, be served, but to serve. Be Jesus to everyone. We need to look at the life of Jesus with the purpose of following him. When we learn how to follow him, we learn how to share the grace of God with everyone around us. So let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to, to John 8. There, there's so many places we could go this morning to talk about um, how to follow Jesus or to become more like him. Um, this morning we're going to look, be looking at John 1 through uh, 11. So I'm going to read it through first and then we're going to talk about it. So um, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple And all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placed her in the midst. Midst they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, uh, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring him against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And when they commanded, continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who, who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. See, I love this event that is recorded in God's Word. I love it for exposing in me my own thoughts and weaknesses, but also for showing me Jesus and the grace of God. There's, there's three viewpoints that we're seeing here in this story. First, there's the, the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, those, those guys. Um, easy to despise, easy to ridicule, but in my experience, even easier to emulate. Uh, I, I hope I'm not alone in saying that I've been them, I've looked at other people's and thought, lives and thought, man, they are messed up. I start looking laterally for people, at, for people and think that I'm better than them and forgetting my own sin. I mean, have you ever done that? Looked at another person and condemned them because of a sin they have? Maybe even a sin you yourself wrestle with? I mean, you're like, God, these people are like really messed up. And I really hope that they learn to follow you like I follow you. And you're going to smite them or something, right? And these thoughts come from our weakness and our frail minds. We, we forget that God's grace that saves us, it's not us. 
We think of others as sinning against us rather than sinning against God. We discount or think of our own sin as less than others. We become slow and unable to forgive. I have to admit, like as I was writing this, okay, there's this rabbit trail that like appeared and I, I wrote it and then I deleted it. And I was like, man, that was, I, I need to put that back in. And I rewrote the whole thing. And uh, so I think this is, God wants to share this. So here goes. Um, in marriage, uh, a husband and a wife learn each other. We see each other sin. We fail each other. Uh, we sin against each other. It's very common for us to look at our spouse and see their sin uh, absent of our own sin. We begin to feel that in the relationship, the other person is like the chief sinner. Uh, when, you be, when you really believe the gospel, you will see that you are first a sinner and secondarily only sinned against. The problem comes in your marriage when, when neither of you seem aware how much you've been forgiven. Because you, you haven't really tasted grace. You won't extend grace to each other. We have to go back to the gospel. Explore intimately the grace that has been extended to us through Jesus. Through that truth and that truth only, can your disposition towards each other be changed. See yourself as first sinner and second sinned against and become aware of your own need for grace. Through this, you'll become more willing to extend grace to each other. You will still hurt and disappoint each other, and you'll, I mean, you'll be impatient. But when you think about how much God has forgiven you, you will see that you must forgive your spouse for so much less. Stand in amazement of what God has done for you at the cross, and you will find it hard to stay angry with each other. God changed you by pouring out undeserved grace and kindness on you. Do not punish your spouse for their sin. You're not right in paying your spouse back for their wrong when you are wronged. You can't bring balance to the scales of justice with your wrath. You can't win by bringing them to the crowd and telling everyone what your spouse has done. That is not how God changed us. God changed us by pouring out undeserved kindness on us. When we taste that, our hearts were transformed. All right. So back in John, it's the second kind of viewpoint of this, of this uh, passage here is the woman found in sin. Uh, have you ever had a sin exposed beyond yourself? Uh, a friend, a coworker, no matter who they are, another human being discovers that you're not perfect. Um, you're not who they understood you to be. The thing that you feared others would find out has come to light. It, just imagine that happening, the fear you feel, the exposure, the shame, maybe even the hate you feel towards yourself. Imagine that person discovering your sin and condemning you. You deserve death. Everyone must know what you've done. Your reputation is shot. Facebook explodes with shares and likes and pictures of you and tales of your disgrace. And then you're brought to God for judgment and death. The, the, pros, the prosecuting mob has already found guilty, and they're asking for the judge to pass a sentence and allow their wrath to pour out on you. At this point, you may just be ready for it to be over. You may have already accepted your fate. I've sinned. I deserve this. I'm worth nothing. Just end it. To me, if this feels familiar, it's because it's the story, ultimately, of all of us. We've sinned, and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why what happens next 
is so beautiful because it's love and it's God's grace. Of course, the, the third viewpoint in this passage of Scripture is Jesus, Son of God. We as followers of Jesus hope to become more like him day by day only through the grace of God. The idea here in this scripture was that the men were going to trap Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees wanted to trap him and find out if he would uphold the law of Moses. If Jesus did, he would have been in trouble with the Roman authorities because Jews didn't have the right to carry out executions. But if Jesus didn't uphold the law, he could, they could uh, accuse him of being lax on the law of Moses. Jesus' answer was ingenious. He who has no sin, may he cast the first stone. Imagine how this woman felt. She was shamed. She feared for her life. She felt condemned. She's probably even condemning herself. Somehow, a miracle happened, and Jesus got everyone to open their eyes to the truth. Then he forgave her and told her to sin no more. If there was anyone that could justifiably condemn her, it was Jesus, God himself, but he chose not to. This is a revolutionary point. He chose to demonstrate grace, gave her another chance. He didn't give her what she deserved. She experiences grace, the notion that God loves us unconditionally, even when we're messed up and even when we've turned against him and cursed him, that God doesn't give us the punishment we deserve, but he gives us love that we don't deserve. And what Jesus says to the scribes and the Pharisees also is important for us to hear. Jesus telling them to remain humble, be loving towards others, accepting, even forgiving. This reality will change you. God's grace will change your heart. God's law has the potential to modify your behavior, but God's grace has the power to change your heart. And when your heart is changed, there is true transformation, inside-out transformation. In my life, after hearing about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus as a child, I prayed a prayer with a Sunday school teacher, and I went back home, and life went on. I had a childlike faith in Jesus. I understood what it I understood what I was taught to be true, and I accepted it. And I knew that if I died, I wouldn't be judged for my life. I had lived, but rather the life that Jesus had lived. In my preteen mind, I envisioned that after death, I would see God, and next to him would be Jesus. I would walk up to them, and God would tell me several things I had done wrong. Probably at this, mo this point, probably mostly things I had done against my brother, uh, you know, stealing toys or comic books or maybe even saying my first curse word and storming away from the di dining room table. And then, and then after this, I pictured God asking me why I deserved to be with him for eternity. And in my preteen imagination, I would just point to Jesus and say, because of what you had Jesus do for me. But then I got older, and through my own human weakness and the work of Satan, life, misguided education and uh, knowledge gained from the world, my childlike faith changed to a worrisome walk and a failure to complete all that was required to satisfy God. I would even say I resented God and was easily tempted to rebel against him. 
My torn and tattered faith had grabbed a long list of things to do. Mechanical changes. Things I was trying to fix on my own. Because of this, even if I would not admit it, the vision I had of what it would be like after death changed. It had changed to a God sitting on the throne with a a disappointed Jesus sitting next to him. And after looking at my balance sheet, weighing up my assets and my liabilities, he would declare that you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. My, my life no longer lived with an understanding of God's grace. My life was no longer living with my identity in the hope and my hope in Jesus. This is why, for many reasons, I say today, praise God for not leaving me in that place. Praise God for his grace and using the Holy Spirit to move. Five years ago, my family was in crisis. Five years ago, this very week, my family was dealing with a very sick child and the fear of the worst. We were devastated. But God. But God, through the mission of this church, but God through the people devoted, but God through people devoted to God. But God through people dedicated to one another and driven to reach the lost, I was a lost sheep found again. God healed our daughter. And even more than that, his limitless grace poured out through this church to serve, love, and save our family. God used many of the families that are here today to remind me and reteach me the gospel. People in this room love my family before even knowing us. Men, women, and children in this room showed me through their lives how it looked to surrender to God. Live in humility, love abundantly, lead bent low, and share the grace of God by following Jesus. Praise God and thank you. To share grace with others is part of the process of following Jesus. Godly free, God freely gives us the gifts of sanctification, the gift to seek to follow Jesus and become more like him. If you're here this morning and you're weary of trying to earn salvation and you want to take the next steps to receive the free gift of salvation that was purchased for you through the death and resurrection of Jesus, please come talk to me or Pastor Dave or Pastor Eric or one of the elders here today. Don't let another day pass without receiving God's grace and being justified before God. If you're here this morning and you've been reminded today of the gospel and forgotten how important it is to preach this message to yourselves every day, I ask that you look at these verses from John 8 this week. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day and dwell on the promise that God has removed our sins from us as far as east is from the west. And know that his grace that saved you can and will change you. The grace that saved you is what we need to thirst for and seek after. If we're weary of sin, at the at the end of August, uh, the morning uh, men's group is going to be starting up. The Saturday morning men's group is going to be starting back up. Uh, men here, I want to invite you. We're going to be reading through the the merged gospels together, uh, with the purpose 
of following Jesus and becoming more like him. If you're interested at all in joining us in that, I ask that you reach out to me or uh, Micah or Frank or Van or Vince at some point in the next couple weeks to, to be sanctified, to follow Jesus. We need to hear from God and be changed by grace through his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you and praise you for salvation that you've provided to us through Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Father, help us to be worthy of your calling. Fill us with your grace to be resolved to do good through your grace. Help us to, be the, to, to seek you in every good work of faith by your power so that you may be glorified. In the name of Jesus, amen.